In this exciting episode of Random Assignment, why are some school districts receiving double their annual per-student spending in federal COVID relief when there's already a vaccine? What question was a defender of Missouri's traditional school districts unable to answer in a state hearing? And why did San Francisco's city government sue its own school board? All that and so much more on your favorite education podcast, Random Assignment. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Random Assignment. I know the long, what must feel like a long winter of lack of random assignment love that has blown into your life like a blizzard, a nor'easter. Well, spring has sprung, at least metaphorically here. Corey, how you doing? Doing well. Yeah, man, we have a, we didn't have a show last week. I was traveling and you were feeling under the weather, I think, or something, and now we're back, back in business, and there's a lot of things to talk about because uh, there's a lot of proposals going on across the states, and um, as we said in the title, I think the teachers unions have done more to advance school choice than anyone could have ever imagined, and you know they were pretty much uh, providing free advertising for school choice during National School Choice Week and 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 afterwards as well. Yeah, you don't want to come in person? Fine, just let me take my money elsewhere. We've been saying this all along. Hey, do whatever you want. You you don't you shouldn't have to reopen the schools or even go back to work in person. But hey, if you're gonna yeah, do that, take off uh, another year. Take uh, off that, yeah. Take off the next three years to make doubly sure there's no other kinds of viruses in the school, right? I don't know. Gro- don't grocery store doesn't grocery store doesn't open. It sucks, but all right. Uh, I'm gonna go start shopping over here. Let's do the same thing when it comes to. K through 12 education, there are actually specific bills. I mean, there are a lot, a lot of these school choice bills this this month. There's 21 states that have school choice legislation that has already been publicly introduced, but some of them actually have provisions in them saying if your school doesn't reopen in person, for example, in Georgia, the bill, one of the eligibility criteria uh, it, categories is if your school wasn't reopened for in-person full-time instruction. And then we even have places like Illinois, a legislator out there is probably not going to pass, and we all know why, because of the legislative makeup in Illinois. But he had a bill to intru- to change the school code to, to say that if your school isn't open for in-person instruction full-time, you can take the money elsewhere to a private school. I mean, that bothers me a little bit. I, I guess you maybe it sounds like you like it more, Corey. I kind of feel like that criterion is just such a low bar. It'd be like, you know, oh, if you oh, all they have to do is just be open, and just they could be they could be terrible in twenty other ways. Yeah, but and not get the same school choice provisions that's in those different state-based bills. But if they're just <laughs> open, then I, I guess you will erase those school choice. Opportunities. Yeah, it's a very low bar. I mean, uh, at the very least, we should have the choice of in-person instruction or not. But you're right. Even if you have a choice for in-person instruction and that in-person instruction is of low quality and isn't working for your kid, or if the environment of that school in person isn't working for your kid, there are so many other dimensions of quality that these that some of these bills aren't taking into consideration. But I will say most of the bills are not based on whether your school opens in person. I just thought it was interesting that some of them had that specific language 
in them. And the latest one's out of West Virginia today, um, Senate Bill 90, I believe, out there. And it's pretty expansive. I think it would be essentially like 90 to 95% of the school age population would be eligible for that program. Um, and it has a shot in West Virginia based on its legislative makeup. Okay. Well, let's start, though, with the federal. Before we get into a specific state, let's just start with the federal. People have been talking about how the Biden administration has moved the goalposts. There was oh, this a is hilarious. story about that. Also, <laughs> Guy Benson at uh, he's, Fox. Uh, he's, he does a Fox radio show. I was just on his show uh, last week. Yeah, Friday. he had a column somewhere about this, too. But anyway, the whole point is that the original Biden uh, promise was that in the first hundred days, schools would be open. And now he's changed the definition of open to meaning one day a week. Airlifts the goalposts. He doesn't just move them. He takes them out of the stadium. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. it's. Uh... <laughs> I have the clip. So... I have the clip from uh, the press secretary saying this, if you want me to play okay. it. Let's do it. Here, here it comes. Of opening up schools swiftly and safely. Mm -hmm. Could you help us understand what the White House is or what the president's definition of open schools is? Does it mean teachers in classroom teaching students in classroom? Or does it just mean kids in classroom with a remote screen? Help us understand. Sure. His goal that he set is to have the majority of schools, so more than 50%, open uh, by day 100 uh, of his presidency. And that means uh, some teaching in classrooms. So at least one day a week, hopefully it's more. And obviously it is as much as is safe in each school and local district. So when you say some teaching, that's the, you didn't use the same majority qualifier there. You just have to have some teaching in school, some teachers in school, not the majority of teachers in school and the majority of classrooms. Well, teaching at least one day a week um, in the majority of schools by day 100. Okay, and that's in-person teaching? In-person teaching, yes. Okay, thank you. Right. Sure. Go ahead. I know. I know. No, um, I have already done that. We, we already have the majority of K through two. Oh, and that's also K through eight schools. They're, not, they're excluding high schools, even from that one day a week. That's right. Um, thing. That's right. And, and let, let, let's remember, too, the way the media will spin this. In other words, if, if this had been the Trump era, they would have said, Anything, you know, they would have first of all said like opening it all would be murder and stuff like this, you know, the way, but she, but they can even blatantly move these goalposts from five, you know, from what people assumed was five days a week to one day a week. And everyone just nods their heads and be like, okay, one day a week. If she'd have said one day a month, that had been like, okay, that's the definition, one day a month. Like there, there's, there's no criticism. That's not open. That's all. not open. Open is five days a week in person instruction available to right. all students. That's open. Right. So now they're just saying, well, I mean, we've seen the, a lot of people trying to say that schools are open right now, even if they're zero days a week. We're open, yeah. but but, yeah. but 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 the, the the physical building isn't open. We're just open for uh, stuff. We're just um, doing it all virtually, and we're still working. So that means our schools are open too. Yeah, the de the definition of what's acceptable to the mainstream media is at this point in time, whatever the Biden administration says. And the unions, too. But anything they say, they'll just nod along. Oh, OK. Uh, uh, one day every other month, they'd be like, OK. They just nod like. Go ahead. The crazy thing is the majority, 50% of K-8 schools, from what I can tell, look, at, looking at the national data, have been open for one day a week. So they've moved the goalpost so far to where it's, even when he first said this, I believe, that goal was already achieved. So we have this whole great goal that we're going, 
it's not a goal if it's already done. Like you're not doing anything differently. What I thought was interesting, did you see the, the Senate vote like a week or two ago where there was an amendment to the budget um, in Congress that I believe a Republican uh, representative or, or senator introduced to say that the COVID relief funding going to schools, the additional funding going to schools meant for reopening the schools in person would be contingent upon those schools reopening in person if they have all the teachers vaccinated. It got blocked. All the Democrats voted against it. All the Republicans voted for it. 50-50 amendment doesn't pass in case of a tie. So now we're having billions of additional dollars that will go to schools to and the, the, the point is to reopen them in person. That's why they're getting all this additional funding. But they can't even they're not even going to require it to be based on in person, even if all of your teachers are vaccinated. All yeah, of that's your the teachers. question that I posed, I think, on our last random assignment that I've heard not one person repeat in the media that, I, that nobody, certainly in the White House press corps to say, hey, unions or hey, Biden administration. If all the teachers are vaccinated. Why do you still need money? Why do you still need to be closed for in-person? Why do you still need all of these positions? And we'll talk in a second about the, about the billions of federal dollars that have been promised, new, fresh, new federal money. But that has z apparently zero connection to vaccinations of teachers. I can't understand it. I don't understand why teachers ask for a penny more if they're all vaccinated and they get all the vaccines for free. And they're, So then why? What's the new money for for them? Uh, children are uh, carriers. All the studies show it. I mean, What's that uh, money for? It's just it's for them uh, to spread around. Bob, we've known this for a long time. It, a lot of this was more about politics and power than safety. It's it's a, essentially a form of extortion of the taxpayer. And this is what happens when you have public sector unions, and especially when you don't have any choice on the part of the consumer. When you don't have school choice, you can pull these types of things uh, if you don't have that type of bottom up accountability um, through consumer choice. But did you hear the Fairfax Education Association president, the teacher union president in Fairfax County Public Schools? I gotta tell went, you, man, Virginia used to never make our state-based newswire. Our lonely <laughs> Virginia school choice, VA school choice newswire was so empty and we had so little activity. Now, thanks to Fairfax primarily, boy, Virginia has been popping for six uh, months now. Well, look, they've been oh driving God, around the empty buses. They've been driving around the empty buses because, you know, we got to keep everybody's skills sharp. So we're just oh, paying right. people to dig um, dig holes and fill them back up. Oh, we're, we're doing uh, the child care services, but we're not doing in-person learning and we're charging parents out of pocket. You had um, the, the failure rates in Fairfax County public schools have increased by 83% since last year and uh, even worse for disadvantaged students. And then now you have the Fairfax, oh, the Fairfax Teachers Unions had a petition online months ago to keep schools closed for in-person instruction till August 2021. This They were one of the first yes. ones to come out and yes, say it. And now you have the Fairfax County um, Ed Teachers Union president on record with Robbie Suave from Reason. He asked her in, a, in an email on this asking... Um, and, and she had expressed opposition to returning to schools in person full time, even if all the teachers are vaccinated, even if you can get all yeah. the teachers to voluntarily vaccinate. No one holds them on that. Yes, no one will ask them that. They won't. They just have to. They have to 
have almost like amnesia about these two things. Let's talk about vaccines over here, and now let's talk about new fresh money for COVID fighting over there. And we have to forget this every time we switch from one conversation to the other, what we just said about the other. Well, and the CDC director, the, the, the new CDC director uh, just said recently that the teachers don't need to be vaccinated in order for school as a prerequisite for schools to reopen. And then a little bit later, they walked back that statement and said, oh, no, no, hold up a second. This isn't an official CDC statement on this subject. We'll come yeah. back later, even though it was the CDC director that said this. Um, I yes. wonder if the teachers unions put some pressure to the administration and said, hey, <laughs> yes. No, they got they got it's as if they got a call. Yes. From, you know, from from the NEA or AFT saying, like, listen, you got to back this CDC person down like you got to have them eat their words, you know, science schmience. In fact, you know, Bloomberg posted a story about that, which was I was I was kind of delighted to see, really. It's basically set up a science versus unions frame <laughs> of this situation, not on Newsmax, not on Fox, not on Breitbart. But on Bloomberg saying, this is our scenario here. It's science versus unions. And um, Oof. So Mike Bloomberg said something similar, right? Saying like, you know, the he said something like the teacher just going to have to suck it up and get back to work. Mike yeah. Bloomberg said that. I think it's yeah. quoted in a New York Post article that. Yeah. I, that in fact, I if you would, could you go to uh, choicemedia.tv right yeah. now? I, think I would mind opening this one up. And then it's I think it's the sec, probably the fourth story here. Yeah. Biden schools pitch CDC science against against unions. Look well, the CDC just did a review of the evidence saying the preponderance of the evidence can says that I we can know. reopen schools. I'm just talking about the mainstream media framing this, thank goodness, in this one scenario in, in, in the correct way, which is to say, look, union clout is basically a, you know, a nice word for raw power, saying no matter what the science is, the unions are going to use their power to try to do things that are not borne out by what all the science shows. And it's, you know, so I, I'm, I don't know, I was amazed to see this. Of course, it's not the New York Times, but <laughs> that said, it's, uh, it does frame it in a way, we weren't, put it this way, we were not seeing this uh, in October. Did you we see the stories like that in October? Yeah, and, and to be clear, I mean, there is a lot of evidence suggesting that reopening schools in person is not leading to major. Yeah, but there was then. There was it over the summer. There's there was. Oh was, yeah, look at Sweden. Sweden they had their schools in person most of the time, more than most pretty much any other country, and we're seeing very low rates of of uh, problems in their country too. And you look at the so reports from UNICEF, that, CDC, was, Brown yeah. University, tons yes, of data. Tons of data that was all before the election even. It was all already there. But you just that story you just pulled up was not being written. No one was saying mm -hmm. union clout versus science before <laughs> before the election. At least now we're seeing it now. So that's that's good, but it's just it's not really brought up at press conferences. Did you see the uh, video by Steve, uh, Steve Forbes coming out? in support pretty much of school choice uh, i, I have, that a, have that did i did not watch the video i saw yeah here it comes they're, they're pretty short two little clips um but it's really interesting because he's kind of using our similar language here and 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 tone of optimism about school choice going forward so here's the clips watch for movements around the country for a fundamental change those tax dollars would follow the child not the school 
In other words, if you sent a child to a non-public school, the per-student money would be transferred from the public school to that alternative. Let the money follow the child. Here's, here's the second part of that. This won't happen overnight, but the union's short-sighted, harmful actions will lead to a profound change, and American kids will be the winners. I'm Steve Forbes. Thank you for listening. Do send in your comments and suggestions, and I look forward to being with you soon again. Boom. Course, no one's going to be surprised that Steve Forbes <laughs> supports school choice. He's always been on the right side of issues like that. And uh, by the way, he's also a great baseball fan, Steve Forbes. Point that. That's another good thing about him. He put me on his list too. I don't know. I don't think I, he came. He, I don't think he was the decider of that. But <laughs> yeah, I I sat next to him at a Yankees game once for the whole game. It was fun. Invited to his box. <laughs> Dang. If we're going to name drop, yeah. Uh, did you see the piece uh, in that uh, Michigan, um, that Michigan piece that uh, Ben DeGro tweeted uh, in the last few hours? No. I can find it for you real quickly. It was a stunning, stunning bit of information financially. He writes, not a misprint, Ben does. And it's the story <laughs> from CapCon, which is a Michigan... Um, Let's check it out. I'm going to Ben Negro's Twitter. There you go. Not a misprint. Okay, pulled it up. With federal aid, Detroit schools to get nearly double its last budget. Okay, so this is, a, it's, I know it says Detroit, but it's really a story about the federal aid that's going out. This is a national story, and it's stunning. I mean, what it shows is, is that this giant, uh, what swimming pool what's the analogy of federal aid being shoved at these schools all covid related uh, in the case of detroit it doubles their annual spending per student in other words it's this enormous <laughs> amount of money scroll down and just look at the numbers they have it all there three separate federal bills they talk about and 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 i and, and so it just makes me sit back i'm curious to hear your reaction Corey. it makes me sit back and think to myself like i, I Obviously, there must be. I'm sure there are people cheering this, saying, "Oh, really? So we 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 printed a whole bunch of money that we don't have, and we're going to just give it. You know, federal funding is usually a minor part of public education, but in this case, we'll just send truckloads of cash to all these schools, and we won't require them. We won't require them to reopen either, even if they have all their teachers vaccinated. We'll require nothing. We'll just hope (laughs) they spend it well. If they just waste it all, oh well. Who's going to check? This and is a cash quite grab. Frankly, yeah, it's like it's like this. What's going to be next? A bigger one after this one runs out? Oh, we, we we're, we're getting our funding cut. They'll say, which is actually means that they're not getting new COVID money once COVID is completely gone. They'll say like, oh, it's, we got to print more federal money that we don't have. And in other words, uh, part of me just says, you know, yes, they'll be cheering this. They'll be saying, you know, yeah, I'm sure uh, maybe a few kids will be helped by this enormous outlay of new you know, federal it, money. But you know, like, we don't have the money. We're a broke country. We're in serious debt. It's a hundred. It's a hundred percent of GDP is our, our federal debt. If we did nothing for an entire year but just pay off our creditors, we'd have not. We wouldn't spend any money on food. Like it, we are in an enormous amount of debt, and we just also that's that's actually debt. That's separate from printing money that we also do and uh which is you know expanding the money supply and it's inflationary and you say to yourself like would we just cheer this again 
If, if the, if the, now that Biden and the unions all get together, oh, look, an NEA person's in the White House. Isn't that great? If they just, let's just say there's like a new bill. Hey, a trillion new dollars is going to be just printed and given to the schools. I have this feeling all these people will be like, yay, well, now we need two trillion printed next yeah. year. Like that we need to spend a billion mentality. dollars per student. Yeah, that is the, the only way we can reopen schools if we spend a billion dollars. Per... But you know what, Bob? The problem here is that it's the same thing we've been seeing the past year. It's, well, we're going to open this day. No, well, we need some money. So if we get some money, then we'll open this day. And the, oh, no, no, we can't actually open this day. Things have changed. Maybe we'll open this day. Oh, no, 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 we're not going to do that. It's just they keep changing the conversation because they still have the same position of power. And they could get more money and more money. In other words, it's like a... They can always you know, change the like, conversation and change and move the goalposts. Yeah, it's like an old in living color bit about more money, more money. It's like, oh, let's just... Oh, we can keep messaging that school that it's murder to send teachers for in-person education? Maybe we can say that more and get even more money and be like, don't you all have vaccines? Shut up. We're just going to keep saying it's murder because that maybe could get us even more. And it's just this... All this money we don't have, all these people cheering, all these... Detroit now with double the spending per student of its entire spending per student just coming in federal cash. Oh, that's great, isn't it? What are they going to use well, it for? Who cares? And, and here's, that quote, here's that quote from the article. All told, the three federal spending packages could add up to an additional $28,515. I'll say that again. 28000 an additional $28,515 for each student enrolled in the Detroit district as of last October. And that would be almost 14. double the fourteen seven per pupil yeah. uh, in local, state, and federal money that they already spend. This is nuts. And, you know, it's past time to just give the dang money to the families. Give the money to the students because that will, one, give the public schools an incentive and the teachers' unions an incentive to do the right thing. You'll probably have a ton of schools reopening in person if you gave families the money to take their money elsewhere. And you'd probably have a lot better remote learning experiences, too, because of those competitive pressures. And then, look, families want to be getting strung along every single week. Look at what's happening in Chicago. At one point, the Chicago public school CEO said that we're going to take your pay away and you might get fired. We're going to count you as absent without leave if you don't if you don't show up to work, but then that changed. Now it's, wow, maybe we're going to open March 1st for some students. Maybe we'll do it to, well, for some more students on March 8th. And the conversation just keeps changing and families can't plan like that. And their students are losing ground every single month that they're out of in-person instruction. And you're seeing, we're seeing lots of mental health issues with the, with the kids around the country too. And it's just, so much uncertainty created by all this mess, the districts fighting with the unions and the families are stuck in the middle of it all. And they're, they're feeling all the pain here. And it, it's, it's, this has been wrong from the start, but at some point we've got to put our foot down and prioritize the kids over the system. They shouldn't be in the middle of this mess. We should give the funding to the families and let them go somewhere else. And you mentioned Chicago, this glowing, glowing stories about how, oh, look, the Chicago Union has finally hit a deal with the mayor. You know what? The deal is only through the K through rate. First of all, they've already missed all kinds of they've already missed all kinds of education. But it's, the, even the current deal they're being so lauded for doesn't apply to high school kids. 
Well, and the teachers union, the, so the the mayor or the uh, yeah the mayor came out and said we got a deal, we got a deal, and then the teachers union came back and said on Twitter, I believe, it's not an official deal yet. You know, we our members haven't voted on it on it yet, so don't you know you better hold your tongue because who knows? Maybe they'll take a while for the vote, and then it won't pass, and then what happens then? Well, then no, they just go back to the bargaining no. table. Families are out of in-person instruction for almost a year now. Yeah, they got the charter school cap passed. In the, I mean, the pass is the wrong word, but the last contract negotiation with the Chicago Teachers Union included, for the second contract in a row, a cap on charter schools. So now, with impunity, they can keep pushing back in-person learning over and over and over again to try to sort of bargain for more money more, you know, as, as they go. Oh, let me correct that real quick because I didn't see this. I was working on something else today, but it happened today. You're right, Bob. I think uh, you had probably seen this before me. Chicago Teachers Union okays deal to return to class with vaccines promised from NPR. Yeah, I haven't read no, through this the, yet. That doesn't say when. Leaves out the tiny factor that, uh, oh, I guess not including high schools. Yeah, and it uh, starts March 1st for pre-K and special ed students. By the way, the pre-K and special ed students were already allowed to come back like like in January. And they started bringing them back, but then the teachers started coming to schools and teaching from outside of the buildings in the cold in protests, which we covered on a previous episode. And then, so then they, they stopped allowing the pre-K and special ed kids in the schools. And, and now it looks like, you know, hey, now they did this vote, and now they'll be able to come in starting um on thursday and then k through five elementary march 1st and then maybe some of the higher groups in the following in week. the so following weeks i don't think they have a date for the, the that's the, my point is i don't think they have a date for high school returning i think that's some sort of like oh well maybe we'll come back for another cash grab before high school will return in the following weeks following weeks what kind of why not tell us the date in the story because there is no date in my, my understanding of it yeah, so maybe some of these teachers unions are starting to figure it out that if they pull this for too long, one, it's going to mobilize people around school choice and charter schools, which, you know, an ESA bill is a lot less likely to happen in a state like Illinois. But maybe in the long run, it's a bad play to to keep what we've called it is overplaying They're their hand. That's and then, true. yeah, you have you have the the states reported by Chalkbeat, for example, like three to five percent of public schools are losing about three to 5%, depending on the state of their student population in the short run, it could get worse if they continue to keep the schools closed for in-person instruction. So, and, and schools are funded based on enrollment counts. So if people are, even without school choice, if people are unenrolling their kids, um, that could be a problem for the public school system. Okay. So let's, uh, yeah, let's Let, move on to some of your state-based Missouri. stuff. Well, let's oh, go. That's great. Oh, that's great. Yeah, okay, that's so before we get to the videos, because we just we just did the uh, Bloomberg uh, uh, clip, um, there's a lot of states that have introduced bills that to what we call funding students instead of systems, and I've started to track them at the Educational Freedom Institute website. That's efinstitute.org. If you go to the maps, we have now, active let, let me just actually. I want to. I have a critique though. How come yeah. Wisconsin is not lit up on that? I I sent a whole tweet about that, and I'm I'm uh, you know I'm uh, I, I'm uh, lobbying for Wisconsin Ooh. to be colored. So blue. Wisconsin in, is increasing or proposing to increase their uh, uh, 
income-based eligibility, correct? That's the expansion I in Wisconsin? Think, uh, I guess if that's what it was, something like that, yeah. Uh, I should add Wisconsin to the map. I'll get to that afterwards. So maybe there's 22 states, not 21 states. I yes. started I started with the states that, that introduced bills that were starting new programs, but then I started to go to states that were expanding uh, pro existing programs, like Arizona, for example. They have a bill to expand existing programs, and I think they have another one to enact another program. But, yeah, so I'll add Wisconsin as well. But, look, this is a lot of states – that are either enacting or expanding access to school choice. Um, one that I talked about earlier was West Virginia. That, that would be a big one. New Hampshire, something to look at too, would be a, a, a eligible. Essentially, most of the students in the state would be eligible, I think like 90% as well, similar to West Virginia. And uh, so those are big ones to look at. And then ones that are out of the chambers already, Arizona's expansion is out of the full Senate. It passed 16 to 14. And Iowa has a bill that if you're assigned to a failing school, you you will um, be eligible for a voucher. Any, any kid, regardless of income, assigned to a, a failing public school would be able to access a voucher. And that passed the full Senate 29 to 21. And I, I, I've started to include the votes here in this little table. You can see what type of program is, the bill number, the link to the bill, and then also where it's at in the process. So this one passed 29 to 21 in the Senate going to the full house. Uh, but other than that, yeah, there's a, a ton of these bills. One is also in Missouri, which we're going to share this video here from a couple of the representatives in Missouri uh, arguing for this bill to fund students as opposed to systems. And they've already passed theirs out of the Senate Education Committee, I want to say. Let me make sure I'm, I'm right on this. Um, Missouri passed Senate Education Committee, and I believe it was like a 6-4 or 7-3. It was a 5-4 vote, uh, along mostly along party lines. Uh, all, every Democrat voted against it, and just about every Republican voted for it. But here is a clip from Missouri Senator Koenig, who is in support of the bill. And he's, he has a little bit of a back and forth with a, a, I think he's the president of the School Administrators Association or the Teachers Unions. It's one of those two, but it's one of these institutions that, that, that typically are against funding students directly that want to protect their monopoly. But here is the clip. No, they're not going to be 100% accurate on well, meeting the needs of every child. Like the parents are going to know best in most cases. The parents, if they see another option, why not? Why not allow that parent? As long as, as long as that option is a quality option. Well, we don't have quality options now. Well, I think we... I, I just listed a whole bunch of schools, not a single child proficient English math. And, and How does that help? And we could... Ow, 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 well, uh, you're right. Dang it. What do I do with that? They, they, see, they, in their in their bubble, in their thought bubble group think world, they're never asked things like that, right? They just are, they're all robots like marching around repeating the same thing or maybe like parrots or whatever, like, oh, well, that's because there won't be quality options and we get offer quality options. What a great really, exchange. Well, and yeah, if you're, if, you know, um, who, who's in a better position to determine 
what is a quality option? You, you don't even know if I have kids or what their names are yeah. or me for my own children. Am, am I in a better position to make that decision about quality? And a lot of the times, you know, quality has multiple dimensions to it, right? You know, it's, it's a standardized test score isn't going to cut it. It could be things like safety and other forms of satisfaction, how, how attentive the, 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 the teachers are and the staff are at the school to your needs and the, and the children. And there are so many other aspects and, and religious education could be one part of that. And I'm not a religious person myself, but, you know, families should have that ability to have a religious based education and, and, and more of these cultural types of uh, aspects to choice as well. So here's another another exchange. Same bill, I believe, um, in Missouri. The person sitting at the table this time is a lobbyist for the school board. And at one point, I didn't get this video, but at one point, the person, um, the the representative asked the lobbyist and said, you're, you're talking a lot about um, conflicts of interest. Who pays you? Oh, it comes out of the taxpayer pocket. You get paid from the school district. Okay. Uh, aren't you more likely to have a conflict of interest than parents advocating for their children or some <laughs> third party that doesn't directly financially benefit from keeping the status quo in place? And I didn't, I didn't get that clip because I usually don't like, I mean, it was kind of, it was a little too embarrassing to, to share the clip, but here's another one where they're talking about similar things as the previous exchange. And this representative was Sherry Tolson, a Republican representative in Missouri. My concern is that you guys are going to create educational models that can be misused where there's no transparency. We won't have any idea what the test scores are like. We don't know where the money is going. And we're going to have to fight big pocketed lawyers in order for the state to find out. That's not a good um, expenditure of resources. Wouldn't the parents know if their children are failing and not doing well in school? And if the parents are unhappy, then they will pull them out and put them back in if they think the public school is better. I think the parents know what's best for their children. And then one more for the icing on the cake, same two people in the exchange. So if the public schools are so good and doing such a good job, why would parents want to leave? Why would they want to pull their kids out and put them in somewhere else if they're doing so great? And that's my concern is for the children of my district. They are being failed. I would love for there to be a personal palace for every single kiddo in this country. My concern. <laughs> Why would parents yeah, want to leave if the public schools are doing so great? Then the response right. is like a total non-response to the question that was posed. I would like right. a personal palace for every kid. Okay. Right. If that's the case, then... Well, look, the public schools aren't that, and you're more likely to get that if the families can choose their school. Yeah, it's not an answer to the question. It's kind of implying that this is an own. Oh, so you just want this, this surreal kind of, uh, you know, ideal situation that is impossible to achieve. You know, you want homeschooling, personal house. Yeah, exactly. Like that, that, as if school choice is some obscure utopian vision that only a delusional person would think could work, even though it works in many states in the United States. I mean, the res response was almost a straw man trying to say like, oh, you know, this is, yes. this is, you're, you're saying that school choice will be like a personal palace or, or it's, yes. it's going to be 
perfection. On no one argues that. Level. Everyone's just arguing it's better than the alternative. Yes, exactly. Exactly. By I mean, the way, that, an update. So I just I sent you the Wisconsin thing in our Facebook thing. If you, uh, so I didn't know the answer to the question of exactly what the Wisconsin whether it's an eligibility expansion uh, or whether it's a program size expansion or whatever, but um. let's check it out. I think I had read over it really quickly and it, it, it seemed like it was a proposal to increase. So here I'm, I'm pulling it up. Increase I think it was the income limit. There you have currently only families who make less than 220% of the federal yep. poverty limit are eligible. Uh, and so let's see. So yes, yeah, so, so apparently it's a yes, it's a, it's it's increasing the income limit. It so doesn't really say how much, right? Uh <clears throat> not seeing that right here, but I'm sure if we dug into it, uh mm -hmm. there's the bill three hundred percent from two twenty percent of federal uh, uh probably right. limits to 300 percent, which is pretty good that means more families would be able to access and i do need to add that to the map so thanks for reminding me so we have 22 <laughs> states not 21 i'm usually pretty good about this but i think i forgot about it after reading through it quickly okay but this this reminds me of um i was talking about straw man did you see the the tweet that i posted on onto facebook about there was this art oh, article. I, I wanted to respond to that, and I actually didn't bother because I thought, oh, I'm going to wade into another uh, morass here. But, but somebody needs to look up the definition of straw man in that. What, what the heck? It's not. <laughs> they didn't even know what a straw man was while using the phrase. Here we go. Here it is. So this article in the Des Moines Register in Iowa, because yes. there they there are public school defenders freaking out about this program that allows families to take a portion of their children's education dollars, about $5,200 when the public schools spend about three times that amount, like $15,000 per student. It lets them take about a third of what they would have gotten in the public schools to a private education provider of their choosing if they're assigned to a failing public school. And so they're just, you have the Des Moines Register editorial board. They said that this is stealing money. They said this siphoning money from the public schools. They said it's looting money for the public schools. And they said it's robbing money in the public schools in one piece. But this is an opinion piece. And it says. I would even, I even, I'm less surprised by those things. I'm more surprised by the fact they call it a straw man. Well, yeah, this is a separate article. Yeah, this is. Oh, okay, okay. Right. Yeah, so this well, opinion the piece. Same that they ran. Like, who wrote this? In other words, isn't this the Des Moines Register editorial? It is the Des Moines Register, but it's an opinion piece. Um, that they approved and, and, and published. And it says school choice, in quotes, is the straw man we've seen before. You go through the entire art article, they don't even lay out any straw man argument that was laid out by, no, by our side. And then the best no, part is just... the subtitle. The subtitle. Yeah. So their title is School choice you don't is a know who wrote man. this. Do you know who wrote this? I'd have to. Uh, I can, oh, okay. I'd have to bring it up, and it's not on. Right. It's not on my uh, tweet you thread. Know, just for in case we have younger listeners, you know, uh, uh, a straw man is an argument that you say the other side made a weak argument that the other side didn't make, but you claim they made it, so it's easy to shut down, easy to to argue against, right? It's so, easy to, to blow over a straw man rather than yes, the actual yes. argument, if and so. Say, if hey, you say a particular, uh, you know, uh, Corey says a particular 
you know, rock and roll band is bad. And I say, oh, so you claim that all rock and roll music is terrible. And, and I am now changing what he said to make it sound ridiculous because I'm arguing with him and I'm now basically... No, it's it, that's what a straw man is. A straw man is, is when one person changes the other person's argument to make it a dumb argument so it's easy to knock down. Ah. School choice is, not, is a straw man argument we've seen before, according to this, according to this piece. I mean, that just that doesn't no, make we sense. we actually are advocating school choice. That's not a fake thing that was invented yeah. by somebody to make someone else's argument look worse. That actually is the argument, school choice. Anyway. Well, and you go through the article, they don't present any straw man that was presented yeah. from our side. And, okay, so this is Kelly Robertson, a Iowa View contributor oh, from okay. well, Iowa, Kelly but needs, no one, I don't, I don't know who they Google are. straw man. Yeah. And, she and thinks so it's he, just anything dumb. She thinks it just means some anything dumb, you call it a straw man, I suppose. If you call it a straw man, it must be a straw man. But look, the best part of this is the headline is school choice is a straw man, which doesn't make any sense. But then the subhead is a straw man itself. Advocates want you to believe that if you gave up and let them have what they want, Iowa would magically shoot up in the top of public school rankings. No one said that. And You're they don't provide right. any evidence for that, that in I, the piece. That, that is, that's, that's, no, that's irony. That's, that, that's irony. what I'm saying. They, they're, yes. they're saying that school choice is a straw man, but then their own subhead is a straw man. <laughs> and in the, and so I, 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 I signed up for the Des Moines a, register and looked at the article, no evidence for and anyone I would, saying, I would, I would, this is the kind of thing where I would say that car, you know, if this was just like some sort of blog post or some random person's tweet or something who's like, yep. uh, not important. Oh, we were submitting to it. No, this is the major newspaper in that state. It is the biggest this. newspaper in Iowa. Yes. And their editorial board really does not like school choice. And if they really didn't want school choice to pass, they should, they'd probably do a better job editing pieces like this where they, just doesn't make any sense. This isn't a straw man. And then the head, the subhead is a straw man. Do better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good I just one. thought that was amazing. So I had to tweet about it. All right. What, what else, else is going on? I mean, yeah, you said something from Ed one? Next about, um, uh, you know, exam schools coming under pressure and then also yes. tech companies creating local governments, whatever one you want to talk about. So the Ed next piece about a San Francisco uh, school board voting to end their exam. So they have a magnet school, and it's mostly for the smart kids, in other words. Uh, and this is, I guess this was a piece that was maybe more national, but there was also a particular aspect about, a, about the San Francisco board doing it, where they, they basically said, it's basically, it's basically, if I can just cut to the chase here, Corey, too many Asians. They basically said, hey, look, this, this must be racist because... We're we, uh, this, applying the test that we're using for admissions to this magnet school is creating an overwhelming percentage of Asians in the school. And we just got to get we just we can't do that anymore. We got to get rid of it. So they are going to just make it where it's a random lottery instead of <laughs> instead of any 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 kind of admissions criteria. And uh, and I find it a strange time we're kind of going into. You know, they, they've often said these tests are unfair because they've often used a class argument. They've said like, oh, SAT tests or those kind of things. Or I guess this is for a high school, so it's some other sort of standardized test. It's kind of like Harvard's problem, right? Um, where yeah, where they're kind like, of discriminating against Asian students um, because they're yeah. what they think to be overrepresented. 
so right. often, like I'll see a, this argument made like, oh, look, we found one question on a test seven years ago that had a reference to a sailboat and my, you know, low income people don't go sailing. So they were confused by that question. This is why standardized tests mm -hmm. are unfair. You know, they'll, they'll, I don't, and I'm just not seeing like, uh, dozens and dozens of questions every year that have these references to polo matches or, you know, my dad's dividends on his stock portfolio with things that I higher income person might have exposure to that a lower income person would not. I think they've kind of weeded that stuff out. I, when it existed, it would be rare anyway, even back in the day, even 10 and 20 and 30 years ago when the standardized test would occasionally have a question like that. But now I don't think there are any questions like that on standardized tests okay. that would, you know, somehow lock out certain, uh, you know, uh, economic classes because, oh, look, it's a question, you know, about, fine caviar or something and the, and the low income kids are thrown by that. I don't think those questions are on the staff that standardized test anymore. Do you see what else happened in San Francisco with the city suing itself? San Francisco amid school renaming flap sues its own school district to reopen during the pandemic. I'm a, first of all, I'm amazed. I'm amazed anybody there doesn't just capitulate fully to the unions and the district to kind of stay closed forever, like in places like San Francisco. I, I, aren't you? Aren't you, aren't you amazed yeah. there's two sides to that argument in San Francisco? I can't even believe it. Is there a different San Francisco somewhere where there are actually two sides to that argument? Yeah, I, I you know, there's, there's a ton of these battles brewing, and it's just, yeah, amazing that the teachers' unions are overplaying their hands so much. They got their own city government turning against them and suing them to reopen for in person. You got the the battle in Chicago where you got the district going head to head with the unions and the mayor going head to head with the unions to try to reopen the schools. And thing is, I mean, yeah, there's all these battles and the thing is neither, not the, the districts and the governments don't have a particularly strong incentive to actually get things done and to actually reopen the schools because they're not feeling the pain. The parents are feeling the pain. And the only way we're going to fix all this pro all these problems is to give the money to the parents. That's the only way we're going to introduce real accountability and 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 actually help the consumers of the service, the the families and their students. Yeah. Other than that, I don't know what else is going on um, in particular that we haven't hit. I mean, there's just there's just a lot of these bills going in the states. That's the main thing that I've been tracking lately. It's been taking up a lot of my time. Um, who knows? Maybe school choice can be, uh, or, or 2021 could be the year of school choice, and it might be the teachers' unions' own fault. Well, that's that's a point that I think. Just uh, speaking of ironies, this idea that the teachers' unions themselves, you know, overplayed their hand and basically had a uh, and basically could have triggered the biggest move away from traditional public schools in the history of traditional public schools. That basically they said, oh, we've got this thing, a COVID crisis. Let's use, we can use this for things, requests and demands that have nothing to do with health. And um, I just think it's so blatant in so many places that so many ordinary people who don't normally get active politically in these matters are suddenly saying wait what is this why are you closed why are you having daycare but you can't teach 
there's uh, why are you uh you know why are you I mean, saying um it, you know it's murder to make you know to send the teachers to class but i see the same teachers at the supermarket and the deli and the drugstore and the clothing store and the home depot and the liquor store i see them all the time at all these stores but they're telling me it's murder to send them to the in-person education it just just ordinary people i think enough of them seeing stuff like that let alone their own issues of watching their children sometimes get sad and depressed and uh or or drug addiction issues or all kinds of all kinds of maladies well, and you, you forgot the uh, madness with the uh that complicated policy people can't cover up when ordinary people see with their own eyes the daycare center at the school is open but the education at the school is not you you can you can try to spin that and they have this is the year it's just not working i think a lot of people are just seeing that there's just a bunch of nonsense this year and you're right and another one of the examples is the uh, chicago teachers union board member on vacation in person traveling in puerto rico poolside tweeting about how it's not safe to go back to in-person instruction. I mean, if it's safe enough to vacation in person, why is it not safe enough to return to work in person? And so people see these kinds of hypocrisies and um, problems with how the private schools have been opening and then the public schools next door haven't. And just the response from the private sector versus the public sector. And I think the differences of incentives is becoming clearer than ever. And we don't have to we don't really have to explain a lot of this this year because it's just look the public schools are saying it's not safe enough for in-person learning but if you're not learning and you're doing the childcare thing we'll open that up as long as you pay us double and uh, pay out of pocket for the childcare services because we're going to bring people from the private sector and, and the ymca into the schools because our employees are staying at home but the other employees are coming in and more, more than happy to do the same job um it's just, it is, it is. It, it, this is a very strange year and a lot of bad things have happened to so many families and they've been just in a, they've been getting a bad deal. And, but the, the, the silver lining here is that families are starting to realize they're getting a bad deal and support for school choice is skyrocketing. And maybe that's the only silver lining of this pandemic. Well, one thing that's a good deal is that Random Assignment is back viewers and listeners all the joy we have in talking to you once again after our long uh hiatus so thank you for watching the program uh please like share and subscribe my name is bob bowden uh you can also find some of our work at choicemedia.tv and also a smartphone app you can download and mr Corey DeAngelis with the reason foundation is right over there so Corey. Wrap it up for our viewers. Yeah, I just want to say um, thanks, everybody, for watching again. Another episode of Random Assignment. Uh, until next week, um, stay tuned.